0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, friends, and thanks for checking out another edition of the Bleed Los podcast. This podcast is brought to you by our good friends at FOCO, F-O-C-O.com, FOCO. For, uh, for being a loyal listener to this podcast, if you go to the description below that in whatever platform that you're uh, listening to this podcast on, there's going to be a unique link Hell of a tongue twister right there. That uh, if you click on that, it'll take you over to FOCO's website. And uh, whatever it is that you want from them, whether it's, you know, maybe you want a Hawaiian beach shirt for your upcoming Hawaiian vacation, assuming you're going there. Another bobblehead. I just received my uh, World Series Dodger Dog bobblehead. Super stoked about that. Uh, Maybe you want uh, some slides. You know, I I have a lot of slides, and I'd I'd be into buying some from the Dodgers. Uh, And FOCO.com has them, right? So if you use that link, add whatever you want to your cart for being a loyal listener to this year podcast, you will save uh, up to 10% on your purchase. And as always, terms and conditions do apply. Please see their website for more details. But huge thanks for FOCO for supporting your podcast and for the consideration. Uh, again, FOCO.com, check them out. And as always, uh, brought to you by our good friends at BleedLoss, BleedLoss.com. So they uh, they have all the Dodgers fandom, right? Colici merch, Joe Kelly merch. And, uh, you know, if, if you heard the news about Joe this week, talked about his surgery, well, you can uh, send him some good vibes by acquiring a, a Joe Kelly Fight Club shirt from BleedLost.com. For being a loyal listener to this podcast, if you use the uh, the promo code BleedLostPod, you will save 10% on your purchase on uh, BleedLost.com. Again, terms and conditions do apply. Please see their website for more details. But Bolidlos.com, huge thanks to them. And uh, lastly, uh, thank you, the listener to this year' podcast, for supporting us, for listening to us, following us on the Internet. All that jazz. We really, really appreciate it. It means a ton to us. So uh, so thank you for the support. And if this is your first time listening and you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. Follow us on Spotify. Follow uh, Subscribe to us on uh, Google Play or Apple uh, Podcasts. Anywhere, uh, anywhere you can get your hands on it, please, uh, please subscribe. So huge, uh, huge shout out to all of you because if it wasn't for you guys, we wouldn't do this every week. So thank you. Uh, but on that note, here is another edition of the Bleed Los Podcast. And it's your boys, Alonso y Juan, with the baby face gimmick voice in the sky, Roger Juan. It's a uh, you know what you know what I like about uh, doing this podcast. What's that, Alonzo? From time to time, we get to have some dope people on, and this week we get to have a super dope person on that uh, that has a, a hell of a story, but uh, but also is a beat writer for the Dodgers for the Los Angeles Times. We have Jorge Castillo joining us this week. Jorge, how are you?
1: Hey, I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Thank you for making the time, man. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll just kind of dive right into it. If you don't mind, you know, we, as you know, the, uh, the, the season started off with, with, a uh, with, with a lot of optimism and, uh, and, and even the great piece that you did earlier this year on Clayton Kershaw and talking fatherhood and Dodgers, you know, future, you know, it was all, you know, roses and daisies. And here we are now. looks like, uh, according to Mr. Oral Hirschheiser last night, uh, last Sunday, uh, that, uh, it's time to sound the alarm bells on, on this Dodgers team. And, and, you know, obviously you cover the beat. It's, it's an interesting beat overall because it's the Dodgers Uh, you know, what, what's kind of been your sense of that clubhouse, you know, kind of looking at everything where we are now.
1: Yeah, it's tough because I, this is the one year, I guess, not the one year, the second year now where we don't have access to the clubhouse. and This is one of those times where, you know, you really wish you, you did have access to see what's going on in there and how guys actually feel and, you know, just being in a clubhouse, it's like being in any workplace, any room. You understand um, how guys are feeling or thinking, even if they don't tell you anything, right? You just, you're in the room and you look around and see how guys communicate and carry themselves. So that's something that I think is, uh, you know, anyone who's a fan of the team or observer, any observers, anybody wants to know what's going on, good, bad, in between, you know, they don't have that this year. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of at the mercy of these Zoom calls. Pre-game, post-game, and uh, you know when you talk to them, they say we're frustrated, but we're not panicking. We it's a, it's a long season. Last night we heard, I mean, the other day we heard for the first time from Clayton Kershaw. Not the first time I mean, Mookie said it when I when they were in Milwaukee. You know we can't keep saying that uh, it's going to happen. We can't keep waiting. We got to keep winning, right? We, we got to start winning. And Clayton uh, Kershaw said it the other day, and Trevor Bauer again said he's super frustrated. It sucks. So I think we're slowly seeing. Um, the frustration come out a little bit and you you would expect that when this this skid's on three weeks now, you know, five and twenty, five and fifteen over the last twenty. And as you guys know, they started 13 and two. And you know, I thought they were gonna turn around against Cincinnati. I thought they were gonna turn around against Milwaukee, 17 guys on the IL for them. I thought they were gonna turn around against the Cubs who were struggling worse than they were. I thought they were gonna turn around against the Angels who were struggling worse than they were. But this is just going and going and going, and I, it's it's shocking to be to, to be honest. But um, you know, while you kind of roll your eyes at the whole, it's a long season. It's true, you know, it is a long season. This team, um, you know, that that seventeen lost sixteen of seventeen, and eighteen started sixteen and twenty-six. Uh, they've had their rough patches. I think people have forgotten it just because nineteen the regular season went so well, when a franchise record amount of games, and last year was just a steamroll through everybody. So. Uh, this kind of stuff does happen. It just in the moment, it's kind of hard to remember that. It's kind of zoom out, but they do have their problems right now, and it's it's manifesting themselves that those problems are servicing a lot over the last three weeks.
2: Uh, Jorge, it's Juan. Uh, so, answer this for me, please. Is this the curse of Plashki, or is this the curse of Farmer <laughs> John? I know he's yeah, your colleague, I, <laughs> but he wrote an article very early uh, saying know, this I was going to be the best of 2021 and Dylan Hernandez does not let up on that. Do you yeah, guys give Plashki a lot of grief over that? Oh, of
1: course. Of course. Of course. I mean, anytime you you kind of put yourself out there like that, I mean, Bill, Bill has his takes, you know, and he's not afraid of them. Good, bad, ugly in between. Um, yeah, man. It, it, it's become a joke now. It's a joke. It's like... We're like uh ESPN, you know, we we, we create the headline and then we just keep going at it and going at it right now with that because <laughs> we we're running like the best this isn't the best team ever. It's like what well, we call the best team ever, right? Um Phil you know, did He writes for us. So <laughs> um, hey man, for fifteen games he looked good. Everyone <laughs> thought it was the truth. You know? Uh, turns out you gotta play the teams besides the Rockies and you gotta avoid injury. Um, but uh yeah, you know, it's Farmer John, that's a good call too. It's now, it's now the, I mean, the curse of Vernon, I guess, right? Is that the new uh, manufacturer or whatever? Um, yeah, man, I, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's just been a, this team is so good on paper. Um, and I wrote it on Friday, actually. I'm not sure if you guys saw, but to me, this all starts with Corey Seager and Mookie Betts. Um, you know, once those guys get rolling, they're one-two hitters. We saw it all. I mean, not all last year. Like last year was super long, but we saw it last year, right? They were like two of the best ten hitters. 10 players in baseball. Corey Seager by the end of October was like a top five player in baseball. Everyone was like, this guy's going to get 300, 400 million. He's going to get all this money. Um, And he just hasn't been very good this year. I mean, there's no other way to say And it's not just an offensive funk. Defensively, he's just not um, as good as he has been. Um, Not that he was ever a great, great shortstop, um, but he's not making simple plays that he used to make before. Um, And Mookie Betts has kind of just been off, uh, you know he had that he had that back thing early in April that uh he missed four he missed four games and he got hit by a pitch in Seattle in the forearm he just been usually does uh, taking pitches in the zone that he never does it's just kind of an odd it's like an odd mix um it's it's really strange to see and you know these guys the Dodgers are gonna say hey this is the worst of it right Mookie's not getting going Corey not getting going uh, bullpen's like five down well four down now that Joe Kelly's back. Um, our depth's been hit by Bellinger and McKinstry being out. Like this is the worst of it. Can't get any worse than this. It's just the problem is it's going on two weeks right now. Uh,
0: you know, obviously everyone's been frustrated. Everyone's, you know, and now it's showing because Trevor Bauer came out and said what he said yesterday, Dave, whatever it was, about how you know how frustrating it is. So obviously that you know that's it's, it's kind of coming to a boil. Um, but as far as like those injuries go, is is there one of those injuries in your opinion that that if let's say this continues to drag on and it is, and it ends up being a legitimate slump. I don't think that's what it is by any stretch. I I, I don't think it's a world series slump. I don't think it's any of that jazz. It's just the, the timing of it is what it is. Right. Um, but is any, any one of those injuries that, you know, if, if it were to kind of be a recurring thing. And the reason I point out belly is because, you know, he's had some of that recurring stuff over the last couple of years uh, that, that could detrimentally affect this team going into the remainder of the year, even if they were are able to get out of this slump.
1: Um. I don't think there's like a one injury. I will say the one one area of this team that I think will need to get help over the course, you know, by the trade deadline is the bullpen. Um, They don't have – they came into the season, you know, running kind of two buckets of risks, in my opinion, from my vantage point. One was they have like three guys who have never been relievers. They try to make them relievers to start the year. Um, Coincidentally, I'm not saying this is all connected to that, but they all got hurt except for – well, two of them got hurt, Gonsolin and Price, right? jimmy nelson's still in there and then the other bucket where jimmy nelson's also in is they have injury risks um joe kelly they knew he had surgery in november so he missed the month they thought it was gonna be like two weeks but he missed a month bruce dog ratterall came here with a bunch of injury risks that's why the boston red sox didn't want him after seeing his medicals uh corey Canable, who's down for several months we're not going to see him probably till august september um and then jimmy nelson's another injury risk right so you have like a bunch of guys in that bullpen, you constructed a bullpen with risks. Um, and we're seeing the worst of it right now. But I do think down the line, um, we will see uh, Ben make a move for, for a reliever or two.
0: As far as, you know, you were talking about the COVID thing, you know, how how that's affected the environment. You know, you're accustomed to being in and out of the clubhouse, you know, talking to the guys, gauging gauging the vibe. Obviously, last year is a lot like how this year was. Uh, you know, you, you were with that fantastic piece that you did with Clayton Kershaw, which which gave everyone an insight as to kind of, you know, the mindset of a guy that that is that way off the field as well. Uh, which again, kudos to you on 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 the fantastic uh, get on that story. How was it for you being embedded with him and kind of seeing him kind of in real time, really figure out kind of well, okay this could be my last year as a Dodger, you know, but you know the future obviously is what it is. But you know, going from the COVID to that back to the COVID, kind of what was that uh, what was that uh, kind of transition like?
1: Uh yeah you know was, um being around him you know it's rare that you get a chance to spend time with a guy like that um pretty much at any point right um, like the, the, me going down and seeing him in a different element I think was was different and cool um from just like somebody who work you know who works in this because usually we just get these guys in a baseball setting right uh, sometimes you meet you meet them up for like a lunch or coffee or whatever but it's always sort of the same kind of feel. Um, it was interesting getting a chance to see him in a different kind of, um, you know, a different setting. Uh, a lot going on, obviously. Um, I think part of his motivation was that he didn't have a chance to really talk about it winning the World Series or celebrate it with people and go on all those talk shows and do all that kind of stuff that, you know, they usually do, right? The parade didn't happen. You know, the kind of organic celebrations that, that you know, you, you dream of, right, when, you, you're, when you're a kid and you want you know, being a champion is one thing, but like you also want to do all the stuff that comes with it, right? You get your ring, you do all the celebrations. Um, I think he missed out on that. Um, I think there was a sense of that, for sure. I think um, being around him, you know, the first thing that you kind of strikes you is how kind of just kind of a guy. You know, he's not. I don't want to get into his home too much, but it's like you know, it's not like anything like out of this world, and um, he's not doing anything. Like he just takes his kids to school and goes home and chills and works out and um so that was cool to see and you know obviously there's a lot going on with the contract situation you know I had tons of questions to ask and I asked them and he was very honest in Fort Ray, um on a lot of issues on a lot, not issues a lot of things right about his career and what I felt to win the World Series and what's coming up next and um and together, yeah like the Zoom stuff Man, I, hate, I don't know if I can swear, but yeah, I hate this shit. Like up with the passion, um, I think all the players do. Uh, it's not just us. The players. I know Dave Roberts doesn't like it. It's just matter it's very impersonal, right? So like you go to a guy's house and you spend time with him and you write this and think it came out well and he thinks it came out well and like I haven't seen him since. You know, I haven't like done this kind of thing since. Cause we do our Zoom calls with the Dodgers and it's a black. It's just they don't see our names and and it's black. So like they don't see our faces. It's uh, it makes the job a little slightly more difficult, and I think it does a disservice to you know fans and readers and you know anybody that wants to pay attention um, and loves baseball, loves any sports. It's not just this sport that's going through that right now, but um, yeah, man, the Kershaw thing. it was I, you know, it happened. It was cool, you know. Never you know getting a chance to sort of tell a story of a guy, a feature Hall of Famer, first ballot Hall of Famer, who had just done what he had done, all the stuff that he had gone through his career, the October failures and finally getting to do it. And, you know, there was a lot there. Um, and his feature is interesting to me, I think, to a lot of people. Um, I think the way in which he uh, kind of handles himself with his family. He's a family, very much a family first person, and that is not phony. You know, I think some guys, some people can be phony about different things. He's not a phony person. He is who he is. Um, so it's all interesting. <laughs> it's all I'm super interested to see how this plays out in, you know, this this winter if there ever is a free agency if they ever figure out the CBA. But um, yeah, that's another matter. We're joined uh,
0: this uh, this week by Jorge Castillo, uh, beat writer for the Dodgers for the Los Angeles Times. Uh, speaking of that, Juan, I know uh, I know you. I have a feeling I know what the question was that was coming. Uh, so please, please ask him the question.
2: I actually know it, it, it's not what you think it is. What what I wanted to follow up with Jorge is, is I did read his piece where he was talking about how Mookie and Seager are the ones that drive the Dodgers and they need to start playing better. But being that right now, you just brought up, it'll be interesting to see what they do about Kershaw. You have Corey Seager's in pending free uh, pending free agency. And in your article, I mean, there's so many things that I want to go over that article with you about, but you did mention one. I I think you hinted at how healthy really is Mookie, you know, is that back an issue? Uh, Is it going to be an issue all season? He did go four for 10 against the angels this weekend. So I don't know if that's maybe a sign, but you know, if I think Mookie may have that excuse of the back, but what's wrong with Corey Seeker? Like not, not only, I mean, you were talking about it, you know, offensively, he was great towards the end of the last year. He started off great at the beginning of this year, but defensively, and you're right, he's never been known as a defensive shortstop, but he's, he looks pretty bad out there, uh, you know, and he's, he's the shortstop, you know, you can't hide him anywhere like that. I mean, are they telling him not to dive for balls? Because some of those backhanded balls, I, I it, he he just looks rough out there. What make it simple for me, Jorge? What's wrong with Corey Seager?
1: Uh, the Dodgers playing not to know. So <laughs> that's the thing. You ask people on and off the record. They, it's I mean, he's not playing shortstop well. He's not a he's not a good shortstop. I mean, and I think he's never been a very good shortstop. I think what the Dodgers do really well is they position their infielders in a way in which these guys kind of these problems get masked or papered over. Um, these guys get positioned where, you know, Corey Seager, what he does well is their routine play. He does not mess up their routine play. He handles that really well. I mean, everyone, like, the perfect, like, the perfect way to, like, describe it, like, how, you know, how things work, right? Fernando Tatis has 10 errors, this, you know, last I checked, 10 errors this season. You know, everyone's like, oh, he's the worst defensive shortstop. He gets the balls that Corey Seager can't dream of getting to make errors on, right? right. So Corey Seager, to me, is playing – Am I, I, I'm not watching Cor- Fernando Tatis every day, but it, you know I, I can't imagine Tatis is playing that much of a worse shortstop. I'm sure it is a worse shortstop because he's not making routine plays, but you know Seager, uh, it's he, and he's not making like backhanded plays. And then the one play that he made in Chicago where he actually stopped the ball with his backhand and threw wildly to second base, it's like all right, well, you know can't do one. He does one, can't do the other. Um, I don't know what's what's wrong with Corey Seager at second uh, shortstop, but as of right now he's playing himself out of shortstop. You know, he's not going to be in a shortstop. In the f- and that that feature is, is coming quick um, where he has, he'll have to change positions because he's not playing like a shortstop right now. My guess, he's, my guess is he signs as a third baseman wherever he plays next year um, just because he's not playing like a shortstop right now. And there are so many shortstops out there. We're talking about a million, like, all the shortstops out there in baseball, like you know, base, you know, traditionally shortstop was the hardest sort of position to figure out and fill with a guy with like who can hit. Everybody at shortstop right now is, you know, seemingly there's so many good shortstops out there. So um, he, it might be the situation where next year he signs. Maybe he does play shortstop for another year or two, but I just don't. I don't see him playing there long term. Um, I see him probably signing as a third baseman next year. Um, but uh, yeah. So the way
2: so the way he's playing shortstop, do you think? That's going to hurt his chances of re-signing with the Dodgers. Is this making the Dodgers front office kind of rethink how much money we're going to throw at this guy?
1: I think the chances of him to re-signing with the Dodgers are really low, regardless. So that's my 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 take. Um, hot take,
2: hot take, right there from Jorge.
1: Yeah, I, I to be honest, I don't see him re-signing. But you know that can change over the next few months or whatever. But yeah, if he's not going to play shortstop, the chances dwindle even further. Now. Um, not necessarily. Not saying that it wouldn't happen. He could play third base for them. You know, if they have a DH next year, Turner could play some first and DH. Um, you know, Muncie's splitting some time at first base, first base and DH, um, and then maybe you move, you, maybe you move a Gavin Lux over to shortstop and have McKinstry play second base. Um, I know they like Gavin Lux as a shortstop. They think he's a better defensive. It's weird to say this, but they think he's better defensively at shortstop than he is at second base because he doesn't have the throwing sort of stuff that he has, he's had at second base because shortstop becomes more naturally to him. Um, and then, you know, you got like Zach Kinstry and Chris Taylor who can play second base. Um, they're not, you know, Max Muncy's playing first base mostly now because of Lux, but also like they prefer him there at first base. Um, so, you know, you, you can make these pieces fit, especially if you have a short, um, a DH next year. Uh, but yeah, like for, as of right now, like I don't see Corey Seager playing shortstop much longer. Um, People were saying this since he came into the league, right? He's kind of – people are shocked he's been a shortstop for this long. So he's just kind of – you know, the way he's been playing this first month of the season. I mean, um, unless he turned things around and all of a sudden becomes like Ozzy Smith over there, it's like I think it's going to be, you know, people kind of seeing where this is going. Um, the problem is right now is the Dodgers need to figure it out for this year, right? Um, they're not moving, out, moving him off shortstop this year unless it gets so bad and they can't do anything else. Um, they, need, they need him to figure it out for this year.
2: What you think I was going to ask him, Alonzo?
0: About uh, the uh, impending lockout that is uh, that is coming up. Uh, I, well, I'm of the party that I think it's happening. Uh, I was actually kind of curious to hear your prediction on that, Jorge. Do you think, the, do you think there will be a, a stoppage of uh, – st- well, not stoppage because it's after the season, but essentially a lockout?
2: We, uh, Jorge, yeah. both of us are on record as saying we are convinced there is a lockout. I mean, yeah, a lockout I'm, next year.
1: I'm convinced as well, so – Yeah, I mean, they're going to tell you, you know, Rob Manfred's going to come out here and say they're already talking, look at us, progress. I mean, we saw what happened during the stoppage, during the shutdown last year with the COVID stuff. And, I mean, it became a, you know, like a social media soap opera, right? People going back and forth and the PA, the union being mad that everything was public and Major League Baseball using the media to put pressure on, on the players. And, you know, at the end of the day, what happened was exactly what, either side, both sides didn't want to happen. It was Rob Manfred acting unilaterally to have a season, 60-game season, which nobody wanted. Um, well, I think the owners probably wanted it because they lost less money that way, but the players didn't want it. Um, so I, I think this always goes down, you know, it's like it, it a kid at a, you know, it's like a sophomore, you know, in college working on his paper, right? It's always going to the, the absolute last minute and it's probably going to get ugly. And yeah, I don't see this. I don't see them getting to December 1st and kind of just things moving smoothly going forward from there. I think it's going to be some kind of stoppage um, at some point. Well, December 1st.
0: I, uh, yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, if there's one thing that, that uh, baseball has done a fantastic job of, and I'm a lifer, right. Is they just do a great job of getting in their own way. It's fantastic. how They just go about it, but I mean, you know, it is what it is, you know, it's, it's going to come to a head and just like anything else with the critical mass, it's kind of inevitable. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, that, that's, that you know, I, I 100% agree. Uh, I I am curious to uh to uh to hear your take on uh, on Kershaw going back to him. Do you think he retires a Dodger?
1: Um, I think it's yeah. As of right now, I, I would say yeah. That's my guess. Um, I think what's going to happen, the Rangers are the obvious team, the obvious other team in this. They're just not winning right now. And you know, I've heard, you know, I've had people that say it's hard for them to imagine Clay and Kershaw going to a team that's going to lose all time, you know? So, you know, I, I think as of right now, I would say, yeah, you know, do I think he signs a multi-year deal this winter? Uh, no, it might, it might be a one 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 year, one year by one year type of deal uh, with Kershaw moving forward or, you know, cause it takes two to, to do this, right. You know, if the Dodgers see this as, I wonder how much they're willing to, you know, maybe go two, three years with him. You know, we saw the two years with an option. I think it was the last time out or, or what it was a straight three-year deal. Yeah, straight three-year deal, 93 mil, I think. So, you know, maybe they go two years uh, or maybe it's year by year. But yeah, as of right now, I, I, I would say that I just don't see Kershaw going anywhere else but Texas. And since they're not winning, um, it's hard for me to to say he'll go there. Um, I know for a fact that the last time he was a free agent, you know, when he signed a three-year deal, Texas was the only possibility. It was only remote possibility and they're, you know, they're not winning. So um, I just don't see that as a real threat
2: as of right now. You had mentioned that you see the Dodgers making a move for a couple of arms out of the bullpen. And I thought for sure that was going to be the move, but I, I think they're going to have to make a move for the bench too. Uh, I don't, do you think there are any in-house solutions to the bench situation because Rios looks lost. And I don't know if maybe now with minor league games starting up, he might be able to, to find something out there. But I don't think Luke Rayleigh, I don't think some of these other guys that are, you know, that they've had to use because of injury, DJ Peters, I don't think those guys are, are major leaguers.
1: I think um, we gotta think about it this way. You know, injuries are gonna happen, but you get McKinsey and Bellinger back, that moves Beatty down to the bench, I mean, Chris Taylor, you know, against lefties this year, if AJ Pollock was playing left field, Chris Taylor was a bench player, right? To start the year, right? Um, And he's been one of the most important, he's not really a bench player. The guy plays basically every day, just bounces around, right? Um, I think when you add McKinstry and you add Bellinger, you you knock two guys down and that bench becomes better. But I do think they are missing a right-handed bat um, on the bench. it was a problem going in like it wasn't a problem going into the year, but it was something they thought they they wanted to address it. you know, they 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 knew it was something. So, um, I do think at some point here you, you could see a right-handed bet. Like, I don't think the answer is DJ Peters. I don't think the answer, you know the problem with Ca Rees is, you know, we're gonna carry three catchers. I mean, they could theoretically, we've seen Austin Barnes play second base three times in the last week, which is not by design. Um will Smith is in infield experience, but they've said Dave Roberts has said, couple times now he doesn't see those guys playing infield you know like unless it's like in a pinch as we've seen with with Barnes um but yeah the, the bench is you know they don't have the depth they had you know two years ago right they they had Kike and then Jock but on top of that they had Beatty coming up and Rios coming right. up and Verdugo was here and um you know well I mean they got um, Kyle Garlic showed up and played like halfway decent for like a week you know like they don't have those guys right now um so I, that that is a that is a sort of a problem, I guess. You know, I think the, the solution is, you know, two guys come back and maybe a right-handed bat. Um, I do think they need maybe another right-handed bat off the bench. Um, but I just think right now, man, that in my eyes, I see um, two, you know, if they keep digging themselves a hole, I think the bullpen in August and September, like, they'll need to, to firm it up. Um, for the stretch run to make sure you win a division if you're going to keep creating this hole for yourself. Now, I don't think the bullpen will be a problem in September, uh, in October, because as as we've seen last as we saw last year, right, for example, I mean, Julio went to the bullpen, Dustin May went to the bullpen, Tony Gonsolin went to the bullpen. They reinforced that bullpen with starters. Um, Now, granted, this year, they don't have Dustin May to do that with, um, but these guys with the surplus of stars that they have can kind of make things happen in October. Now it's about, it's about August and September and making sure you win that division, um, and I think that's why they're going to show up that, um, that bullpen.
0: And uh, we have Jorge Castillo with us here for a few more minutes on the Belie podcast, and uh, I'm kind of curious, who do you think that arm is that they go after? And if for all, I mean, I know that we will probably all be wrong if we make a prediction who they trade for, just because Andrew likes to pull dudes that I have never heard of in my entire life. But, I mean, a la Max Muncy. We should just throw that out as an example. Or every time that, you know, Chris Taylor hits a bomb, the uh, Seattle Mariners traded Chris Taylor for, uh, or the to the Dodgers for a tweet that you see where it's like, the Mariners are still waiting on their return on that trade. Uh, But if, if, you know, because obviously there's always going to be that, you know, a part of that fan base that's like, yo, when are they going to go after Josh Hader? When are they going to go after Hader? When are they going to go after Hader? And and I don't think that's the move. They're going to go after you know, someone again that we don't know. But if you were to, you know, because obviously they made some moves today. They signed Kevin Quackenbush to a minor league deal, and uh, and and a couple other guys, uh, you know, to to some minors deals to kind of kind of get the uh, the action going. But no one of notable name aside from Kevin Quackenbush. But if you were to uh, to to make a, a prediction, who who do you think that arm would be that they'd be going after?
1: I'm gonna e cop out here and say I have no idea. And now the best way to sort of figure this out is literally go through the worst teams in baseball, right? I'm right now. I'm looking on the, the Tigers baseball reference page. The Tigers are not going to make the playoffs. That's right. the best. The Orioles are not going to make the playoffs. The Rockies. I know Michael Gibbons might be available. You know, I don't know if the Dodgers like Michael Gibbons. This is the best way to do it. Literally the five, seven, ten worst teams in baseball go through their bullpen. See who's doing pretty well. And kind of, <laughs> maybe, that, that might be one of their guys. No, this is how it's going to work. Yeah, And you know, you know, maybe it's oh, I don't I don't even know. I'm looking at this thing here. I don't I don't know Tigers very well, but they might be a guy there who's pitching well, or someone that the Dodgers see who's pitching okay. and they're like yeah, we can fix him. Now Jake McGee, right? Remember him? Um, that's a guy yeah. that they you know he left Colorado. They kicked him out of there. Dodgers figured it out with him. He just threw fastball, 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 fastball. Um, they let him go. I mean the Giants signed him this year, and I was killing it up in San Francisco. Um, you know the Dodgers identify guys that they think can they can figure out. Um, but yeah, man. For me to sit here and tell you who they're gonna sign, I or trade for, trade for, really, um, I don't know. I do know that there was some interest in Shane Green, but Shane Green wanted to pay for Atlanta Braves, um, so that wasn't gonna happen. Um, yeah, I mean, we saw a guy like Tanner Rourke, who's a starting pitcher, um, just you got waived by the Blue Jays, signed with the, signed a minor league deal with the Braves. You know, like any little thing can happen. You know, two years ago, oh, three years ago, four years ago, at this point, right, with Brandon Morrow, who could have seen that coming, you know. Um, sometimes guy kind of guys kind of like rise up in the bullpen and figure things out and are just overpowering because the bullpen's so volatile figuring out relievers is just such a, it's not a science it's not an art, no one knows really know how, knows how to do it. Um, so yeah man for me to take a stab at that I have no I've, dude, I do I don't know. Uh, uh, sorry, I'm not. No, no I, and I, I just don't want to be so wrong. I'm, I'd be so wrong. <laughs> it's, <laughs> um, okay. it's
2: not like we're gonna record this and yeah. then hold you to it. You yeah, know, yeah. come
1: September. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but the reason the reason that I asked that question is because a, a lot of people think that like uh, that that the Dodgers are just trying to go out and get the best of the best. And truthfully, you know, anyone that knows anything that they, they don't, they they just try to go out what fits their mold and their blueprint. So I'm expecting them to trade from someone for the Marlins that we've never heard of. That's literally what I'm expecting.
1: Also, something else to, to keep in mind is like they're, you know, they've had a deep farm system for a while, but, right. um, and I think they still do, just they don't have the name recognition right now. Um, I think this by the end of this minor league season, we're going to be hearing about like Poppy Miller is going to be a thing. Michael Bush, um, you know, Caber already is one, just like Ray is already a name. I think we'll see those names pop up because after a season with no games, it's kind of hard to like have guys hyped up and all that. Um, Brian Peppio is another guy. But as of right now, like they don't have guys that you know. We say, well, we can we can flip this guy and get like a great reliever or whatever at the deadline. They don't. I mean, Josiah Gray. But like, do you want to trade Josiah Gray when you don't have too much, um, you know, help with, in AAA right now that can help you? I don't think Josiah Gray is a starter, a major league starter right now. But he might be a reliever in September. Um, so you, you don't necessarily they don't have a lot of inventory right now to to sell off for a reliever. Um, they, it, not as much as they used to just a few years ago, right? Um. So that, that's the sort of another factor. Is you know, uh, again, who's going to be available? Like, who's the best reliever on the one of the worst teams in baseball? I'd have to go through the list, and you know, like last, like you know, uh, Iglesias was traded to the Angels, and you know, you see guys kind of get flipped here or there. Like relievers are the most; they're the most traded commodities. Every single trade in line, you see them. Again, righties, lefties. Um, you know, sometimes teams get multiple, sometimes they trade one, they get another. It's like you see it all the time, things happen. So I, I do think the Dodges will be will be in that market um at some point here.
2: Uh Jorge, before we let you go, there is a little something that we do on the show that we started with uh Adrian Gonzalez, and that is, I mean, I don't know, you're you're an East Coast guy, right? You're you're born out there. What what part of the East Coast are you from?
1: Uh, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. So yeah.
2: Have you had a chance to be in L.A. for long? I know you started covering the team right when the pandemic happened, right? No, no, no I've
1: been here since 18, September okay. 18. I've been in L.A. yeah. So
2: being that you're in L.A., what is your go-to taco? Like, what is a taco? I, I know you, you know, not... Like I, a
1: place or like the actual taco? No,
2: an actual taco, whether it's a carne asada, al pastor, what kind of taco guy are you?
1: So um, I I thought it was an uh, al pastor, but I don't think I am anymore. I think it's carne asada. Um you know, but I I try to stay away from carnitasada, you know, the red meat stuff. So I try to go I you know, I try to go pollo all the time and um, is there, is there a place I in mean, LA I'll that say, my fiance is Mexican. Like uh-huh. you know, her parents are from there um and all that stuff. Um
2: so do you just go to her parents then to get real I mean, tacos, or is there I mean, there a every place? Wednesday,
1: they live in Montebello. She grew up in Montebello. So every Wednesday, they have this fish taco spot they swear by. So we uh-huh. get that when we go over there on Wednesdays. They love the fish. I like fish tacos, too. That's actually a good one, fish tacos. I enjoy so them.
2: I can put you down for a fish taco guy, because Gonzales was a, a carne asada guy. So we can yeah, put you I, down officially as a fish I, I, taco
1: can, You can't go wrong with carne asada, so because cause fish can be you can miss with fish more than you can miss with carne asada, you know you can kind of i love what when i show up at a taco trunk kind of drunk and, like you know <laughs> off a little bit i'll get getas over over the fish taco so can, it,
0: can i ask why you're not an al pastor guy anymore
1: i uh, i just every time I, like uh, when i get it i had i think i had like a couple of really really good ones and then i've kind of been disappointed because my expectations maybe are just so high um yeah just they haven't been as good and i don't know why so I, That's like, I'm, not, That's uh, like, I'm just kind of just like, oh, this is this is good. You know, every time I have it, it's like, oh, this is good. You
0: know? have, you, have you ventured out to like uh, lengua or buche or cabeza? So or lengua,
1: see, I had lengua. I like lengua. I've had buche. I've had all that stuff. So lengua, I actually kind of like lengua.
0: That was um, my go-to. That's my that's my favorite lingua. We're, we're
2: taqueros here on the show, so yeah, I mean, anytime we can uh, talk, uh, talk about tacos, we bring it up.
1: I uh, you know, I try to every time I see something when I'm with my fiance, I'm like, Yo, I'm having that. Like, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> you know, she took me like the King Taco, obviously, on you know, on the East Side, and
2: yeah, the fish said, place was it, is it Tacos Baja by any chance?
1: I, I, I don't know the name of it. They just they oh, her man. parents go pick it up. Like we don't go with them. Oh, okay. So, yeah, right. yeah, So but um. I figured so like we you know we've gone like King like she showed me King Taco. She's like this it's not as good as it used to be, but you know, I'll take yeah. you, you know, all that stuff. But uh yeah, man, I, I'm just trying to get with the culture. Like I didn't grow up with a lot of Mexicans on the East Coast, it's Puerto Rican, Dominican, uh Colombian, Ecuadorian, um, more like well,
2: we're all know. about celebrating culture on the show. So yeah, like I, I didn't
1: grow up with Mexicans, like <laughs> I had like three in my high school. <laughs> I I had like three in my high school and they were all uh like siblings. So yeah. Man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so what dish? What Puerto Rican? Because you're Puerto Rican, What Puerto Rican dish should I have? What is the go-to Puerto uh, Rican well, dish there, for you? There
1: is a. There is a. I know of one Puerto Rican restaurant in the LA area, and then uh, there's like two food trucks. Um, but the Puerto Rican dish is like actually the North, the Hollywood, uh, the restaurant in North Hollywood is called Mofongos, uh-huh. which is like the dish, the Puerto Rican dish. But like my favorite is like the rice, like arroz con gandules, which is like uh-huh. rice with pigeon peas. Um, I, i've been eating them non-stop the last like three days since i've, uh, I've been here <laughs> um you know there's that there's benin which is like pork shoulder that's a christmas staple new, new year's staple um you know this is pollo guisado it's everything is rice like it's a rice with the meat rice with the meat you can do steak you can do chicken you can do pork you know sorry cotilla, you can do whatever you know whatever um but yeah it's usually rice with the with the meat and Arroz con gandulas is my mom's is the, you know, I'm going to sound like every son out there, the <laughs> you know, so.
0: Well, no, yeah. I mean, that's how it is in our culture too. I mean, I, I I live and die by my mom's beans. I can't eat beans anywhere else. I mean, that's the, that's yeah. the, that's the and, staple. I'm telling,
1: you, I'm telling you, even like beans, right? Like you guys call them frijoles. We call yeah. them, we call them habichuelas. And mm-hmm. like my fiance and I were, I'm teaching, she teaches me the Mexican Spanish stuff. I'm teaching her the Puerto Rican Spanish stuff and, it's like it's it's funny seeing how like uh, things work, but it's great to kind of like be immersed in a different culture. Well, so, ha- have,
2: have you learned that yet that Mexicans give everyone nicknames?
1: I don't really I haven't gotten one from from her family. OK, uh, maybe, maybe they don't like me. I got <laughs> <figure> to <something out. laughs> go find that out now. Um, they, they're, they're kind of yes, they do give each other nicknames. They got weird because I know my fiance got weird nicknames for her siblings. They give <laughs> each other weird nicknames. But,
0: yeah. That is, that is a thing, though. I grew up with a kid in, in East L.A. that we call him El Calcetin. Yeah. And that's still his nickname to this day, El Cazatín, because he ran around. I don't know why. He would just run around with no shoes on. So that fool was always in, in socks. And that's when, we, you know, we all grew up in the hood. And that was everyone had these dope names in this fool, El Cazatín. So, <laughs> it, so it, real, it lingers real around.
1: Intimidating. Real intimidating, sound.
0: sound. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I mean, I would fight him just based on the name. <laughs> just based on the name uh and last question before we cut you loose because i actually did i did want to ask you this as as a fellow nerd i'm a history buff as well uh i know you went to yale and uh you know you went from the ivy league to the west coast i know that's that's a thing but your major was history i'm kind of curious what is a what what is your favorite actual like you know topic historically to dive into that you even now as an adult you know when you're busy with stuff you're just like so i was going to sit down and read this book
1: Yeah, so actually, my it's probably two different areas, and it's um, my thesis was on Puerto Rican um, sovereignty and national identity, uh, Puerto Rican sovereignty and national identity in the Olympics. The idea that Puerto Rican has like their own Olympic team and they do their own thing. It's not just Olympics; it's World Baseball Classic. It's you know FIBA. It's I would say FIFA, but we don't play soccer. But um, you know, we it's different. it's a different identity, right? Like even though it's part of the United States, so I did I del I, I dove into that for my thesis, and uh, I'm really into Caribbean history, um, like the Spanish Caribbean, the um, Cuba. Like I spent a lot of time in college studying about Cuba and the Cold War, and the, the revolution, um, you know, Fidel's revolution, and learning about that. And Dominican Republic to me is super interesting the history there because you know just being Puerto Rican, there's a lot of there, there's the, the the connection there is just you can't avoid it, the connection between the DR, Puerto Rico, and Cuba, especially Cuba and Puerto Rico actually took a class in college about those two histories, how they were very, very, very similar and then kind of diverged. Literally one chose I mean, one chose the Soviet Union, one chose the United States, right? You can't get any more you know, polarizing than that. So um, I really love that, that part of it. Um, and really you can kind of get into like the whole like, you know, American influence, the Soviet influence, or all around Latin America, right? sandanistas the you know the, cuba nicaragua puerto rico um chile i mean all that all those areas and all that stuff and to me that's really fascinating so i was really also into like the cold war and like why why that came to be and like the it, like the effects that it had on like latin america more specific, specifically like those those two places cuba and puerto rico um i've always wanted to go to cuba i have friends that, that have gone and um it's just really interesting to me but i, I would say and i'm a, i'm a huge like i took a lot of like civil war and i was really into like the american civil war for a bit like real nerd shit no, I'm just, I'm not did you do
2: the reenactments did
1: you ever no, dress no, I, up I, and? i didn't do that i didn't go that far <laughs> You know, Did regional. you just
0: accuse Jorge Castillo of larping? Because I don't appreciate that. <laughs> hey,
1: what? There's no judgment here. If he
2: wanted no, to no, dress no, it, up, it if he wanted to definitely. put on the grays and just no. you know pretend for one day he was no, a racist. You know, whatever. It, That's up to no, him.
1: It wasn't that serious, but I mean, I, I also like, World War Two. Like, I'm thinking like all these big ones, but like those I find, I think fine, you know I think most people find World War Two more interesting than World War One just because of who was in World War Two. Um, but yeah, I was really into that. I took a couple classes on that. But to me, like, I just find a cold war and just like, because it affects our, I think it affects all of you know, beyond like the United States, right? Like where our people come from, um, quite a bit. And actually I'm, I'm down YouTube rabbit holes about Puerto Rican history almost, you know, once a week, just like learning new stuff. Because you don't, just being from out here, like even in Puerto Rico, my mom would be like, oh, I never knew that, you know, because my parents were born and raised there. and Well, actually they were born in New York, but raised in Puerto Rico, but, um, yeah. No, I, hey, real, I, I, real
2: quick because you uh, brought it up, can Uh are you a fan of the world baseball
1: classic? Uh yeah. I mean I'm I'm a fan of the idea. Um
2: But major league yeah. baseball is never gonna allow it to succeed, is it?
1: Well the problem with any of these leagues, man, is like they're afraid of the pitching, you know, is guys can get hurt. That's un- that's unpredictable. The best way to do this is you just get pitching machines out there and just have like a like a like somebody just <laughs> You know, kind of choose when they're going to pitch, like what they want to pitch and when, you know, like, because they, these guys are never, like, baseball is not the same when you're like, hey, man, like Max Scherzer can't pitch in the, for the U.S. or, um, you know, whoever can't pitch for this. Like, if Julio Ries isn't going to pitch for Mexico, like, come on, you know, that's not the best team they can get. You know, Vito Gonzalez has to be in the bullpen for them. And, you know, Sergio Romo and all those guys, you know, like they have to have their team, but you can't have that, with, especially with the pitching. Um, you know offense wise we Dominicans show up every four years with everybody right you know A-Rod we want to play for him so um, I I love the idea though I mean uh, the Olympics this year you know I know uh, Gonzalez is going to play for for Mexico Adam Jones was to play for the U.S. so I love the idea of that I just like in practice it's hard this isn't soccer we you know it's soccer doesn't have the element of pitching like pitching is one you know you never know when a guy's going to blow and what happens if you know the some, like, stud, like, ace or prospect blows on his arm in some, like, WBC game, you know? It's just, it's not worth it to some of these teams. But I love the idea of it. I mean, every time I see it, I see PR on there in Puerto Rico, I'm, I'm rooting, I got my... Put on my let, me,
2: let me tell you, I went to the final last, the last classic, and you guys took over Dodger Stadium, man. The Daniels Port- <laughs> knew how to throw a party. Like, they were literally just walking through the, the, the aisles at Dodger Stadium and would just randomly just cheer and sing and dance. And I was just like, and their team lost, but they didn't care. It was a party, man. You guys represented.
1: I mean, you, sh- you should have gone to Miami. Oh, the was Columbia it nuts in Miami? Well, Colombian team was there. The Dominicans, like, there are ton to of Dominicans and Colombians and Venezuelans in Miami. Yeah. I don't know, I think Venezuela played in Mexico. But um, yeah, the Miami was packed. Like, that's the only time Marlins Park has been packed since like the <laughs> first game at Marlins Park.
0: Since the All Star game.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, the All Star game and the first game ever at Marlins Park, which I still remember to this day because I was like, everyone was hyped about like Jose Reyes and like Mark Burley being on that team.
0: I, uh, I, I will say one thing about, that you said about Puerto Ricans in FIFA. So I, I worked in the Angel system for a long time and I was around like Jose, Molina, Will Nieves, uh, you know, some, some of those other Puerto Ricans. And uh, Alfredo Amezaga, who's Mexican, was on, on a couple of those teams. And, uh, you know, we would go and kick the ball in the field. And those dudes would just look at us like, well, ¿qué están haciendo? Esto nos es pelota, ¿qué están haciendo? And we tell them, hey, you should kick the ball, you know, try to juggle it a little bit, whatever it's like they've never ever seen a soccer ball before so I, I i always find that funny about like well hey we play all the sports except soccer we don't do that we don't play soccer
1: it's literally the sport um that puerto Ricans just don't really i mean american football they don't do either yeah. they do neither football um they stick away from the football um it's basketball and baseball right now on the island and volleyball it's kind of a thing too boxing obviously um but yeah
0: yeah. No man. Well, listen. We we really appreciate you taking the time and uh, and sitting here and chatting with us about all the doom and gloom. It, it, you make me you made me feel a little better, um, but you also made me feel a little hungry. So offensively, I'm going to go three for four <laughs> with some tacos in a second. There you so. go. Cool, man. <laughs> but man, listen. We really appreciate you joining us. Uh, hopefully, we can have you back on as uh, as things get a little bit better. And uh, enjoy your time at home and eat eat uh, some frijoles. Yeah, hey, uh,
1: habichuelas. <laughs> <laughs> I feel, thanks for having me. Yeah, if you yeah. guys ever need me back on, let me know. I'll be absolutely
0: honest. absolutely thank you.